0: We tend to think of the war on drugs, at least the modern chapter of this war, as beginning in 1971 when Richard Nixon declares a war on drugs. And the architecture, important for this discussion, for that war was really founded here in New York with the Rockefeller Drug Laws in 1973. This approach of criminalization, very harsh penalties, and a real rejection of any sort of health-based intervention. When Nelson Rockefeller implemented those laws in 73, he said, treatment and social services do not work. We've tried that. The only thing that's going to work is to get tough. And we went on from that period with other states replicating the Rockefeller laws and other presidents following the suit of Nixon's drug war until we ended up with the modern war on drugs that we're certainly all familiar with and a system of mass incarceration and the racial disparities that we see today and all of the various problems that we have, and certainly none of the outcomes that we were initially supposed to achieve. Addiction rates are not lower. It's not easy for people to get into treatment if they need it. It is easier for people to get treatment if they are arrested. We have mental health facilities and prison systems serving, or rather prison systems and jails serving as our de facto mental health and drug abuse uh, treatment system. The largest treatment provider in the state of New York is the Department of Corrections, one of the largest mental health uh, treatment providers in the country is Rikers Island. Clearly, those are not institutions designed to pursue those functions. Now, when we mark that 40-year period, or 43 years ago now, with 1971, the, the uh, seeds of that drug war go back much farther. And with historians on the panel, we could probably go back and back and back to dig into that. But I'm particularly interested that here in, 19, or in 2000, uh, 2014, that we're at the 100 year anniversary of the Harrison Act, which in many ways provided a, a, a construct for uh, um, this modern drug war that we have today, and even the way that we understand regulation and prohibition. Um, and it was some years later before the Marijuana Tax Act was passed. But I wonder, I mean, Dr. Agarwal and Sunil and Alex, we talked initially, maybe one of you wants to tackle this. Can you talk a little bit, take us back 100 years to the Harrison Act and why is that moment important And then maybe can one of you walk us into um, uh, the era of the LaGuardia report, um, how those two things uh, connect, and why it is that we should pay attention to that era as we're looking forward to address the drug policies uh, today.
1: Okay, Uh, I'll start. The Harrison Act, of course, did not come out of the blue. And there were a lot of um, feeds into its passage in 1914, one of the things that's significant about drug prohibition in this country is that it depends, as I know you all know, on linkages between particularly, particular drugs and particular immigrant and racial groups. And that had already been in play for over 40 years um, in 1914. So already in 1875, there's an ordinance in San Francisco passed against opium smoking the way Chinese people consumed it. Uh, and that's just part of a campaign of anti-Chinese sentiment and uh, legislation. And so there's a, this is also something that was um, closely related to representations of Chinese people in the newspapers at that time. So already you've got um, media coverage and law and uh, immigrant groups connected with the question of drug use and suppression of drug use by um, by the 1870s. So that's uh, already way before the Harrison Act. You want to take it from there?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I guess uh, the other m- moment comes to mind is El Paso, Texas, in the early 1900s, with Mexican uh, immigrants coming there. Uh, there, that was the first place to criminalize. Uh, cannabis in some shape or form was was border towns you know the us-mexico border and then the first state to criminalize uh, cannabis was does anybody know it was Massachusetts or uh, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts 1911 uh, it was is very interesting this the the dynamics it's uh, what was happening in the country at the time uh, there were, some states were thinking about this as like okay well alcohol the other context of course alcohol prohibition which starts in 1911 19- 1920 and um, you know um, of course now we're jumping ahead past the 1914 Harrison narcotic act so I'm kind of jumping jumping our uh, excuse me I'm sorry please forgive me I wasn't sure testing okay even better okay so that comes out actually if you want to oh that's better yeah okay so all I was uh, mentioning was the history of the um, uh, Early 1900s, the El Paso, Texas passes the first law criminalizing marijuana use directed against Mexican immigrants. 1911, uh, Massachusetts criminalizes marijuana. The Alcohol Prohibition, 1920. Um, Harrison Narcotic Act, 1914. There was a wave of, uh, this actually was called a progressive movement. (laughs) Believe it or not, this was this was called progressivism, because there was a sense in which um, people were thinking that we were going to help people uh, by you know directing them in the right direction, and this also uh, stretched into the um, Native American populations and how what we were, are we going to integrate them from the reservation into the working society, and we were you know kind of that almost that that burden the white man's burden concept mortality was was the underlying concept there too. Certainly with prohibitions of alcohol, there was also issues around domestic violence and uh, the, with the increasing rights of women to vote. Um, this was seen as an, as an issue to, um, you know, that women would get behind because of the um, correlation between domestic violence and alcohol, problematic alcohol use. So this was the kind of cauldron in which um, some of these regressive laws, as we can look back, and, and racist laws that we were talking about uh, f- famous New York Times headline: "Cocaine-crazed Negro fie-, you know, fiends will not be stopped by bullets." You know, this is this is the kind of rhetoric and era. So, um, I think uh, that's a little bit of the, more of the sense to the stage.
3: Yeah, I, I guess uh, I'd like to throw in there that um, unmentioned so far with the largest population of opiate users in the 19th century, which were uh, native-born, white, middle-class men, and especially women who were not, uh, you know, they were equally distributed, urban and, and uh, rural, particularly in the South, but th- that this population of opiate users who were probably the most, uh, contributed the most numbers of opiate addicts at this time, they were, uh, they were seen by reformers or people who were concerned about addiction as a public problem. This population was understood to be suffering from a different problem than opium-smoking Chinese in San Francisco, or marijuana-smoking Mexicans, or immigrants and African Americans using um, narcotics that had been purchased on the street, and so there were two really broad groups of drug users by the time the Harrison Act is being um, is is being debated and passed, and that uh, and it, it's important to keep in mind that the kind of respectable users who were receiving their medications one way or another through the medical system, although the medical system didn't look quite like the way it does today, that there was a set of laws designed to help them address their problems that look different than the Harrison Act, a set of laws centered around the Pure Food and Drug Act and a variety of other. Um, a variety of other tools that were less punitive and were designed to be helpful, assuming that folks like that wanted to make good decisions. And if they were provided the right kind of information, they could do so. Very different kind of attitude towards uh, a different population of drug users.
1: Another important feed into the Harrison Act was a set of international conventions that took place between 1909 and 19. 15, and the reason that there's a direct influence is that the very same people who represented the United States at those conventions were the people who drafted the legislation uh, domestically. And part of the argument for the legislation is we need to be in, in compliance with international treaties uh, on the subject of drug trafficking and drug use. Uh, and then.
2: Oh, I forgot to mention, um, see, what really started American drug prohibition was our Colonial occupation of the Philippines uh, in the 1870s. This is a, the, our drug historian um, who's now passed away, Dr. David Musto at Yale. He, he's kind of identified this moment when the Americans became colonial occupiers of the Philippines. And the missionaries there, a guy named Bishop Brent and others, were very really concerned about the use of opium amongst the indi- indigenous population. They actually would use opium for medical purposes too, like when they had cholera and there's lots of diarrhea and they don't. Have have antibacterials that hadn't been invented. You know, uh, opium was a good way to slow down your your gut, you know, and, and maybe survive. Um, but uh, they were very concerned this was you know kind of a not in their book good book so uh, they wrote to the uh, a, a guy named Hamilton Wright in the United States and, and uh, then another guy who wrote I wanted to mention is a, a guy from a pharmacy head from California who was directing against my racial group uh, Asian Indians who had been immigrating to California and he said that this unsavory lot of Hindus are demanding their cannabis indica this is you know this is always sort of like a we don't, you know, whatever things you have in your culture, we don't really care. You know, you're, you have a, you're here, you have this interest in demand, you know. And so what he tried to get, he asked Anslinger and the, no, excuse me, the architects of the 1914 Harrison Narcotic Act, put cannabis in there too. You know, not it wasn't just, you know, opium started it, opium was what made it. But there was a growing interest, as I showed, pre-1914 for other drugs, which were connected with other racial groups. That's a piece I wanted to add.